0: You're listening to the Wizard Factory audio podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. Friends, welcome back to another episode of the Wizard Factory podcast. Tonight episode, tonight's episode is is definitely a very important one. Um, uh, it's one we've been meaning to do for a good bit of time now, and this is uh, you know a very crucial stage as we are you know still in the very early stages of this podcast. So you know Brian and I feel it's very important to lay a strong foundation of the general truth and philosophy that we hold as our our core fundamental first principles in in everything that we do and and everything that we talk about. So, um, you know, it was about due time, uh, you know, as we've discussed a lot about the nature of freedom and, dare I say it, anarchy, that dirty, scary word that people don't really like. Um, we're going to dive into this and really look at it from a lot of different angles tonight. Um, you know, we, we want to really kind of make this information accessible and easy to, to um, digest and, and connect with, whether you're brand new and, and never heard of this stuff before, or you're a little bit further along the path, and maybe we can kind of go into some depths and uh, some different perspectives that maybe you haven't considered before, hopefully, you know. Um, So, I guess, you know, as we tend to do, we like to define our terms. So, um, let's take the initial word, anarchy. Um, This comes from Greek, and if you separate them into their individual pieces you have an meaning without or in in the absence of and archi meaning or relating to archons which essentially means a ruler or you know yeah a ruler a uh, a king that sort of thing so basically all it means is no rulers and um that's not to say no rules or just anything goes that's one of the most common misconceptions that you know we hear um, in in sharing these ideas, um, Brian, do you would you like to add anything to that? Uh,
1: yes, I mean there, there's really you know it's it's definitely a word that we we've seen has a certain stigma about it in society, and and that's definitely a, a false stigma because once you actually delve into the philosophy behind it, you know, and again look at it from the the purest etymological form. Uh, you can see that it, it is all about freedom. In fact, like there, there you can't separate them, because uh, you know to really be free, you can't have a master. You have to be the one that owns yourself. Um, and then I think that you know that leads into being able to define our next uh, term that we're going really, to you know talking about here, which is you know the exact opposite of anarchy, and that is government. And this comes from the Latin gubernare, which means to control, and then mentes, which uh, means mind. And that also refers back to the first principle of mentalism. So this is a, uh, it means mind control, but I also like to look at it as a mind that believes in control. Mm -hmm. Because anyone advocating government, that is what they, that's exactly at the very core essence of what they're advocating for. That is what they're doing.
0: Um, And I'd like to uh, add one Quick little side nope. note. Um, you know, I've yeah, heard people on. that you know when they when they come across this concept, government means mind control and mentis, uh meaning mind. You know, they're like, oh, so any word that ends with mint means control. Uh, no, not control, but like of the mind. And actually, uh, as much as they're being kind of um, passive aggressive in <clears throat> that, I actually want to validate that statement because. Taking it back to the Hermetic principles, and the first being mentalism. So the M-E-N-T uh, suffix to any given word means a state of. In other words, as the law of correspondence, what begins as mind to become in the state of it means you know you see where I'm going with that.
1: Well, yeah, and then then as you're saying with the first hermetic principle being that, you know, that everything is the all. Everything is part of the mind. Right, right. So, but for
0: something to come into a state of anything, it is reflecting from that first uh, state of mentalism. Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, Yes. So, and then uh, would you like to get into our kind of next big term that we're going to be using here?
0: Yes. And, um, you know. Uh, followers of this show have certainly heard this word plenty of times already, uh, and that is sovereignty. That's one of the <laughs> the, the words we use the most um, with everything that we talk about because it really is, in my you know op- opinion, uh, I think that you know if my opinion is in alignment with truth, this is you know from my own personal understanding, sovereignty and free will and choice, which are all pretty much very much like directly connected to each other is at the very center of the meaning or the purpose of our experience, of, of our existence, of our even, you know, coming into manifestation as these human beings that we are is about to experience life and how do we interact with this reality field by our choices. And the different choices that we make dictate the different experiences that we're going to have to a certain point but also the choices that other people make are also going to dictate the experience that we have because we are all co-creating one singular shared experience so our Hmm. choices as the aggregate but also on the individual level is the entire point of this when you talk about you know we're you know consciousness and um you know what just become you know the the process of human beings awakening um that's how we do it we're here to have an experience which awakens our our consciousness and how do we do that we make choices and our bad choices awaken us to what not to do and our good choices awaken us to we're doing the right thing keep doing that you know it sounds really simple but it kind of is in a way
1: right <laughs> Wonderful. So <laughs> so from now that we've kind of got some of those basic terms defined, you, know, and, and again, you know we're kind of setting this episode up as some foundational and also for some uh, new viewers to the channel who might not be familiar with a lot of this. that way when we're using these uh, terms and things, they're, they're going to understand what we're talking about. But from this point on, we're really going to drop the euphemisms, uh, and we're going to be calling things for what they are. Uh, because government, when we look at it, you know, if we look at mind control or a person that has a mind that believes in control, that's a person that is advocating for slavery. Uh, to that may be to very different, uh, you know, different degrees and extremes. But on the fundamental level, that's what they're advocating for because they yeah. are immediately making that immediate violation of what you were talking about, Logan, which is sovereignty and freedom. Right. They're right. trying to force their their own choices and project that onto other people. Right. Know, Which this is actually to do.
0: Absolutely. And this is actually bringing up a huge point for me right now. Um, this concept that I, that I um, identified this dynamic between control and influence. These, these two mm. things often get very conflated mm. and, That's very you know, right. So the control is the, I'm going to treat something or someone as my property. Influence is, okay, well, I have a certain desired outcome, but I also respect your sovereignty, so I'm going to try to put things into my favor or get the desired outcome, but without violating your sovereignty. In other words, um, you know, a salesman that is, you know, obviously not somebody who's lying to someone, but who's, who's just, you know, maybe being a little pushy to some degree, you know, and whatever degree that is, can be a little bit more abrasive and kind of icky even, but guess what? They're not forcing you to stay there. You can literally walk away if you want to, you can stop talking to them. No one's forcing you to have that conversation with them and, you know, and, and they're, they can't force you to buy what they're selling. They're just influencing Mm -hmm. you. So control would be you're going to buy this or X, Y, Z, something really horrible, you know. So that's right. a really important distinction to make right there. But I also re- I realized that um, that I forgot to actually define sovereignty as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, God, I set it sense. up for it, but then I, I totally um, I lost my train wow. of thought there. <laughs> yeah. So, again, if we break the words up and look at them individually, this is how we um, – derive the intrinsic meaning of words. Words have two meanings. There's the commonly accepted or sort of, you know, like consensus meaning that people generally understand, you know, anarchy, for example, perfect example. You say that to most people, they think Molotov cocktails, looting, rioting, you know, Mad Max, all that stuff. And that is what it means to them. When you say the word, that's the meaning they're deriving from it because of their own, you know, experience with it. But then there's also the intrinsic meaning of the word that does not change over time. It doesn't change based on opinions and, and, you know, propaganda and law and order, you know, (laughs) TV and stuff like that. And You know, it just means no rulers. It's in the word. So sovereignty being uh, the SOV, meaning um, above, and reign, sov, reign, is rulership, again, ownership, whatever. So you're above being ruled, being reigned over. So again, this this is the common theme here, is that we're, we're, e- we're all in an even keel. You know, different people have different skills, different... Um, you know, willpower and drive and ambition and motivation and all these different things, but nobody has any more rights or less rights than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of that concept in a nutshell. So when we say sovereignty, mm-hmm. that's what we mean is that no one's above you, and you know where your boundaries are. You know that you're not going to talk. It comes back to the the um, simple yet so uh, on point, in my opinion, saying do no harm, and take no shit. That is healthy boundaries in a nutshell. Don't encroach on anyone else's boundaries, but don't let anyone encroach upon yours. And Mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, yeah, that's a complete idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now we want to kind of, like, move on to... uh, addressing a lot of the false presumptions because you know this is something that mm. people will have heard us talk about a lot you know which with the trivium process and again every every single thing is built on a presumption a premise some some kind of foundational knowledge but if that is then skewed uh that throws off the rest of the process the understanding and then your ability to take action um if you have incorrect information you'll be taking incorrect action so uh we want to Make sure that the presumptions that we have are correct. Um, and when we we look at some of the the foundational beliefs uh, behind government and statism, we, we can see there's a lot of uh, false premises these are built off of. Uh, and we're, so we're going to look at a few of these
0: here. And um, I think it's worth noting that the reason that people have these certain ideas that come up, and you know, Brian and I have both had countless conversations with people about this and you after a while you start hearing the same things out of people's mouths Uh, you know it's almost like they're programmed you know they're of course yeah there's something to that why well where did we go to school by a state-run indoctrination center of course it's going to be pro-government and we need this and then also people tend to react really emotionally, which is a sign of unresolved trauma. But guess what? Mm -hmm. Government is run upon coercion and trauma. It is trauma based. So of course, Mm -hmm. when you start challenging that, you're challenging the Stockholm syndrome. And so again, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are fully well aware of all this stuff. And this is, you know, uh, elementary to to some of some people but for those who are you know your your first time hearing this kind of thing you know just try to suspend your emotional reaction and just look at the the reasonable logical uh aspect to what we are saying and try to put that aside i know that's not easy sometimes for sure it's it's very difficult but just just try okay so as you were saying
1: uh one second Uh, Yeah, so the first one, you know, that I was wanting to look at um, is really, you know, that anti-government doesn't mean anti-organization. You know, so this is like a a really big kind of false assumption that you'll see people will throw this argument, and and even, you know, maybe some anarchists even um, will kind of also be very individualistic and not be interested in any kind of organization at all, Um, which is, you know, kind of another interesting thing to look at but when we look at it from kind of the the person advocating for government's point of view uh th- that false assumption there is that the only kind of organization it that can be effective is forced organization because they can't see an option beyond government you know and government is the, you know it, it's a very forceful um kind of organization it's not in alignment with natural law but when we we look at Human interactions and they come from a place of being voluntary. Uh, then, or you know, there's nothing wrong with organizing as long as everybody that is participating in whatever that is is voluntary, and then they are then not infringing upon the rights of en- you know anyone else. Um, that's a very useful thing because when you know when we look at uh, human beings as, as a species, you know we, we are definitely a, uh, a species that you know we need uh, where you know we we need to be in a group. Uh, you know, for the most part, obviously, you know, um, it makes survival a lot easier, you know, just, but our species were very social creatures. Um, so to try to take things to such an individualistic extreme and and then not be open to organizations, uh, that's also kind of coming out of a place of some unconscious, unresolved trauma. Um, so I think both of these are false premises that, that we can look at and you know it, it's about finding a balance you know uh between you know with with things you know so you know organization is fine but making sure that is voluntary um do you want to go ahead and maybe uh delve into some of the other ones that we want to look at here um well uh, real quick on
0: that topic that you're you're talking about here you know again um uh, we're going to try to be addressing specifically a lot of those sound bites that people consistently regurgitate when it, having these uh, conversations with people. And you know, a, a lot of things you'll you'll hear come up uh, again and again is this whole, how would we do this and how would we do that? Um, the fact that they're concerned with how we would do this or that shows that there is a natural motivation to do those things. So why would you ever have to force someone, to, to do something which has intrinsic value, first of all, but also where they're coming from, like you say, Brian, bringing it back to those underlying fundamental assumptions, pre-existing uh, assumptions, is that there has to be one way to do something, and, and this is the way we're going to do it, and we're just going to force everybody to do it this way, my way, versus... Everybody contributing different ideas and whatever is the most effective, whatever yields the results that you're they're obviously so concerned about how would we do this or that, then it's going to get, you know, it's going to get handled in the best way possible as opposed to what if that one way was forced and that was not the best way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like limiting uh, the, the potential mm-hmm.
1: as well. Mm, absolutely um and you know another really fundamental you know premise that the belief in government is built on is that kind of you know that people are too stupid or too evil to control or govern themselves so then we need to have a small group of people in charge controlling everybody else uh you know when you kind of you know say it like that it you know, it sounds really retarded, which, you know, it kind of, it is, you know, very much so because it, it's, it's holding us back from forward progress. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's retarding our growth, um, with holding right. a belief system like that in our mind, um, is taking it back to the principle of mentalism. You know, if we have that, you know, that false knowledge, that false foundation and state of mind there, what we create is going to be a twisted form of, you know, what should be, if we were in alignment with natural law and had, uh, foundational uh, premises that were built in alignment with truth. Right.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and if you want to consider what you were saying, that that preconce- preconceived assumption is a very misanthropic belief system mm-hmm. that you know uh, people are wretched, horrid things, and they need to be violently dominated. Um, which that's just a projection of their own self-loathing. People who have that misentropic, um, you know, viewpoint about the world, they're just projecting that because that's how they view themselves. Either that or they're schizophrenic because by making blanket statements about humanity, they're, they might be implying that they are somehow different, you know, like either they fall under that blanket statement that they themselves are making or they're contradicting themselves automatically by saying, well, I'm not like that even though I just made a blanket statement, you know.
1: Right, All right, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, and we you know this is something that we, we, we talk about a lot too, but, you know, I think that mindset that human beings that are kind of that they're dumb or they're evil, you know, it, it very interesting to see where that belief system came from. And I think it, you know, very recently uh, came into, you know, uh, human existence on the level that it has, you know, within the last few thousand years. And and I really think a lot of that is owed to, you know, the Abrahamic traditions. Um, but we're not going to delve into too much of that here, but uh, in future episodes, that is something that we'll also be addressing. You know, further, further in depth. But you know, the Fair connection enough. between those, you know, and and how um, that mindset of original sin and that people can't govern themselves are actually very, very similar to each other. So I think that you know, in the meantime, that might be an interesting thing for people to ponder. Absolutely. Uh, another big <laughs> one that, that's really funny and, and it shows you how fear-based and kind of silly a lot of these assumptions are uh, is how the warlords would be, you know, if there was no you know, large, you know, governing force um, controlling everybody, there would be another large uh, strong governing force come control everybody you know, it's, <laughs> it doesn't make doesn't make any sense and when you're especially willfully giving uh, power to groups of people so they can just accumulate it and then continue to accumulate it as they always do uh, in those uh, positions. That's never going to stop a force like that from coming into existence because by you know, being afraid of it you know, and then taking those actions that aren't actually in alignment with cosmic law, you end up creating what you're afraid of by you know and you end up creating that that very, very thing that you were trying to prevent. Um, you know, I think, you know, um, the Constitution would probably be a great example of that. You know, <laughs> and, and what's happened here, you know, especially in America, you know, I think that there was, you know, this idea that a lot of, you know, this was done to limit government and everything, so then they created a government and then that's grown into one of the you know, most uh, monstrous empires, you know, in history. Uh <laughs> it's a very interesting thing to observe there. But, you know, again, that, that tying it back to where we're operating from, when we're coming from a place of fear, you know, we're, we're operating from a place of, of trauma, from a place of not really thinking in our, our highest awareness. Um, so then our decisions and the actions that we take are really going to be more kind of survival-based and instinctual. Uh, and this really, you know, lead into it when you look at it, you're speaking with a lot of people, you know, and trying to show them, you know, lead them, say, you know, lead them to the ideas of anarchy and introduce that to them. You'll find a lot of their responses are very, very fear-based. Or if you yourself are still advocating for government, be very honest and stop and ask yourself, okay, so this is why I believe government should happen. And then trace that back. If there's... I, can almost guarantee you there's probably some kind of fear-based assumption in there that's not actually based in reality it's just a false assumption but if you can remove that assumption and then replace it with one that is correct then you can start changing how you filter and process that information and then start changing the way you take actions in the world which of course will then reflect into the reality that we create right yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think it's um, very important to, to understand, if you've never considered this before, the simple fact that everything the government does is backed with violence. And, you know, you can say there's, there's justified use of violence, and absolutely, you know, there is a justified uh, use of force for self-defense reasons only ever, period. Um, the initiation of force is always wrong period, you know, um, and, you know, basically what we're saying is that if you took that coercive violent component out of the equation, it wouldn't be government anymore. It would just be an organization, which is what we're actually advocating is structured, organized society without forcing everybody to do something one certain way and then be forced to pay for it, even if they don't like that way that they're being, you know, forced to go along with essentially so you know taxation is definitely one of the the biggest glaring uh aspects of government that is inherently immoral and is another euphemism for slavery um basically Mm -hmm. because if you pay almost half of your income to the government for things you may or may not even benefit to and you don't get a say in how that money is spent that is indistinguishable from slavery you can call it whatever you want but that's what it is Mm -hmm. and i think if people were forced to work the first 25 years of their life for all of their income that they got and then the next 25 years of their life for absolutely free and all of their profits went to the government to pay for this or that they would realize the reality of slavery
1: that they're living in Mm. you know, but it's or just, even if you're like year by small, year. Incremental, incremental right. steps. so then people don't, you know, they don't notice it and then, you know, or even if they do, they do very much notice it because, you know, even in society, you know, so many people bitch about taxation, you know, like nobody likes getting uh, their money stolen from them. You know, for
0: Sam, sure do take a chunk, don't he? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> so, uh, but they, they tolerate it because, you know, they feel like they don't have a choice, you know, there's these, mm. There's fear based assumptions that are, you know, stopping them from right. afraid to go to jail or they're afraid a bunch of, you know, armed mindless thugs will show up and, you know, harm them or, you know, mm-hmm. kidnap them and do whatever. Well, um, or that society will fall apart if they don't pay this tribute. You know. <laughs> right. Um, right. And you just
0: said it yourself. They feel like they don't have a choice. Exactly. That's what we're saying is right. sovereignty is free will. If, if you're under coercion and I say, give me your money or I'll blow your brains out, you're going to give me that money not because you wanted to. You chose to do it, yes, but only because you like the blow your brains out option a lot less than the give me your money part. So that's what you chose. So
1: right. you know, that, that, that is wrong. Thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um um, let me see. So yeah, it's, it's important to just always take everything back to the government is built on violence and everything it does is paid for in stolen money. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the part we have the biggest problem with, mm-hmm. essentially.
1: And then, you know, I think the next thing to look at, which is another fundamental uh, false assumption that people advocating for government have, is that they believe they can delegate away rights they don't have. Mm-hmm. They believe there's a small group of people, um, you know, that are allowed to do issue commands, you know, and that the other, there's a other, uh, larger group of people that have to listen to those. And if they don't, they're allowed to use violence, you know, like harm them physically, you know, put chains on them, throw them in a cage. You know, It, it, it when, you know, you really start to look at it foundationally, it really is. Uh, just modern day slavery. It's just done in such mm-hmm. a way that you know, because it's it's through the mind that people don't realize it, because you know they're they're under such deep mind control. So it takes a lot of time and effort to really be honest with yourself and step back and question these things, yeah. and look at it from a lot of different perspectives and angles to to kind of find some of these things. I find
0: analogies to be really, well, in general, really, really useful, but especially in these kind of things when euphemism is so prevalent and mm. you're, you you can't see past the language that keeps you trapped in this these walls of perception. So let's mm. just take a simple example of what government does, but just put it into like a little microcosm scale. So you live on a street with you know, nine other houses, and all your neighbors, you know, you live together in this community, and all of a sudden, let's take it from the individual level first. So, your neighbor Bob, he goes over to your house and he says, you know, um, well, I decided that I know what's best for you, Um, and if, uh, you know, the the only way that you can get groceries is if you pay me your, uh, you know, part of your your paycheck – and I'll go and get the groceries for you but you don't get to pick which kind of groceries you get or anything like that I'll I'll do that for you and you know but you can trust me and I'm not going to mismanage your money and this or that you would laugh in their face and say get off my property you you idiot you know like that's that's mm-hmm. ridiculous so then your, your next neighbor comes over and they say well you can choose between me or bob one of us is going to take your money and buy you groceries and you don't get to pick which one, but I promise I'll buy all your groceries organic and Bob over there, he likes processed food and you know, and then, you know, <laughs> that's politics. That's what it is. Again, no one would go for that idea. And it doesn't matter if everyone in your whole neighborhood got together and voted that Bob has the right to steal half your paycheck to buy your groceries. It's still theft, mm-hmm. but that's what—that's go- literally what government do- did is, well, enough of us got together and decided that we d- delegated the right of theft, which we don't have because theft is wrong, but if we all agree that Bob over here can theft you as long as he mm-hmm. promises to spend some of it on you in some kind of half-assed kind of way, then it's all really good, and this is the only way that you – could get groceries. You know, this is the civilized society that you pay for with your taxation. You know, otherwise the entire world would fall apart if Bob didn't steal your money. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's, it's Uh, insane. When you put it that way, mm -hmm. nobody would just go for that idea.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a great idea. And and it, what it sets up for is, you know, the types that are really drawn towards, you know, wanting to be the one in, in control of, like that and are willing to use force to do that they're very much stuck in the predatory mindset that we you know we talked about before in our thin blue lie episode where we looked at you know uh order followers and police specifically mm. um but it's also you know even almost more so than that it's a parasitic type of mindset you know because mm. they're they're not producing anything you know they're only exactly. creating like everything they have there it, it is taken and stolen. Uh, you know, there it's an it's an entity that's really a parasite, um, and it's it's also, it's a mind virus that is, is a parasite. It's a parasite of the mind. Um, but you know, there was something uh, the other day that you know when we were uh, chatting, you were uh, talking about uh, terrain modification. Um, uh, would you like to kind of explain the physical uh, aspect? aspect of that, and then uh, what that is, and then um, we can delve into kind of how we can relate that back to, uh, you know, the field of the mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in my years of research into nutrition, and health, and wellness, and things like that, you know, I looked into a, a little bit about, you know, parasitology, and the way that these parasites, these worms, and things like that, that, that get into your system, and they Breed and they, they literally can like control your emotions and make you crave different shitty foods and uh, it's it's really crazy. And the thing is, when you when you have a bunch of those, you you don't want to just take some like stuff to kill them because a that's a really bad idea. Um, they're all going to die off inside you and then make you really sick because they're decomposing and like toxifying your your insides. So what you do is. This concept called terrain modification so those parasites are only there because in a way in an indirect sort of way you sort of invited them there because you're eating in in a uh, toxic enough way to create an environment where a parasite would thrive so instead of killing them off you would just change the internal environment that would that is counterproductive to their their comfort and and uh, you know, thriving, basically, Mm -hmm. and by natural process, they will just leave your body and find some some other person, Mm -hmm. you know, that's more suited to their needs, essentially, so that's what brain modification is.
1: Right, yeah, and uh, whenever you were, you know, uh, you were speaking about that the other day, it it really brought up for me, you know, that, you know, government, you know, taking back to Mm -hmm. etymological you know, a root, we can see that, you know, obviously it, it's control of the mind. So the only way that can exist is if the mind is in a state, you know, where that kind of belief system can come in there. So it has to be in an empowered or a disempowered state of mind. You know, mm-hmm. it has to be, you know, a state of mind where a person, you know, doesn't want to have that internal sovereignty and responsibility and they want to delegate away Their responsibility Mm. to someone else Uh, so you know you have to have that fundamental flaw there and then that's when these belief systems can seep in so and and a lot of times this is done through obviously trauma and this is why you know trauma-based mind control this is this is why it's so prevalent throughout our society and done in so many different forms because, you know, once you do that and you can make people disempowered, you know, they they're, that terrain is then perfect for this parasitic mindset to be accepted and taken in. And, and that works with all sorts of different uh, belief systems, you know, like different little mind parasites, as we kind of like to call them.
0: Right. And also, I think it's really important to note, again, back to the indoctrination camps that they call schools, is what they're really doing, you know, it's trauma-based in a way, but it's also very much gaslighting children, is basically, because Mm -hmm. the first seven years of life, the child is in the formative years. They don't have sovereignty. They haven't learned boundaries of their own Mm -hmm. and, you know, for others. That's why Mm -hmm. the government is running the schools, so they can get to the children at an early enough age to indoctrinate them into that way of uh, thinking and telling them, you know, all the, the gaslighting things uh, about mm. humans and how horrible and, you know, uncivilized they are and how we need government equates to civilization, you know, going mm. through school and learning about history and all the nasty savages. And then we came in there and, you know, that mm. all those narratives are painting that picture and, and, you know, installing that mind virus at a very early age before they have the cognitive capacity to logic
1: and reason their way out of it. They just kind of accept mm-hmm. it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's, you know, again, this is going to be a theme that, you know, people will, will hear, hear a lot throughout this talk is, you know, getting back to the state of mind. You know, that is, that is the field that you can, you know, make fertile for uh, a an amazing amount of growth and prosperity to occur there. Uh, or if you're not taking care of it, you know, then it's going to become stagnant and you're going to have all sorts of things growing there that you don't want. And and this is really kind of what we're getting at um, is accepting and coming from a healthy state of mind, you know, and, you know, looking at, you know, anarchy and enacting, in alignment with cosmic law and honoring free will and sovereignty and boundaries, not only for yourself, but for other beings. That should be the fundamental premise through which all your actions are based off of. You know, um, so, so that's why people are going to hear us keep reiterating this because we can't stress it enough here is that you can look at it from as many ways as you want to. You can always trace it back to that.
0: Right. If it's not anarchy or the absence of rulers, then you are condoning a master and slave dynamic that some Mm -hmm. people are up here and some people are down here. And that's the exact opposite of sovereignty, meaning no reign, no Mm reign. There is no, it's
1: all here Mm -hmm. in terms of rights. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, again... um, the craving for um, this mindset, it, it comes up from this disempowered mindset, and they they, they feel like they, well, as we said earlier, they don't have the choice, and it's because they're lacking the tools in order to rise up to the challenges. You know, they're lacking that IMAGINation. Uh, yes. So they, they feel like there's no option outside of government. Like they can't, you know, they can't even fathom Anything outside of that, that's how deeply some of these belief systems are ingrained. Right. So it's not just the conscious mind either. I think this would be a good time to, to bring this up is that, you know, there are the three different levels of the mind is, you know, people who've been following our channel, the will talk about a lot that, you know, there's the conscious mind, but there's also the subconscious and the unconscious mind. Mm. Um, and all of these have an effect, you know, and it's really the subconscious and the unconscious mind, especially the unconscious where this trauma and these belief systems are held. So people aren't aware that they're actually holding them and why they are. So it's really important to be able to question and dig at these and be honest with yourself so you can start to bring those up and actually address them and see, well, is that actually something that resonates with me? Do I find that to be, you know, is that in alignment with truth? Uh, is that right? Um you know, and we and right. to look at that and then go from there. Yeah, because it's like, you know,
0: again, with that question, well, how would we do X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, how will we build the roads is the one that, you know, almost is a cliche in the internet community <laughs> now because it comes up so much. It's right. the modern-day equivalent of how would we pick the cotton. And, yeah. and that may sound extreme at first, but if you think about it, basically we're trying to say – Initiation or coercion of you know initiation of violence or coercion is morally wrong, and then their response is, well, yeah, 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 but but, how is this practical? How is your moral uh, platitude practical to me in my life? That is an absolutely you know um, catastrophic you know presumption to be coming from there uh, as a as a as a response to that. So. You know, again, it's the like you said yourself, absolutely on point. It's the death of the imagination. We've been so indoctrinated to think that government is the way that we do things in society, and this is how we can get stuff done. You start saying, "Take that away," they're like, "Well, how would we do anything?" And it's again, it's like saying, "How would I buy groceries if somebody didn't come and steal my money and buy me groceries?"
1: Like, yes, insane that way, (laughs) right? Um, And I think it also comes from. A another false premise of this kind of utopian idea that they're, they're trying to control and make a life that there's no suffering or there's no challenges. Mm. You know, so they're trying to delegate away this, right to this, this false parent, you know, government. And you know, to, to, to take care of them in the way that they want, so they don't have to worry about that. They want to just be taken care of because they're afraid of those challenges, because again, they feel like they're disempowered and they don't have the tools to be able to rise up and face those. So right. that they just they don't know. That's where there is no imagination. That's called
0: um, learned helplessness, and that is what right. a child does. When they don't want to move out and they don't want to learn how to balance their damn checkbooks they just want mommy and daddy to do everything for them that's learned helplessness and that is the exact opposite of sovereignty of of self-ownership and taking responsibility and being a spiritual grown up or an adult and you know this this idea of challenge that is the 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 sharp edge of natural law that's going to propel you to to do better, to try different things, oh, this is really hard, I need to think, I need to try harder, it's, that's what turns, you know, the coal into a diamond, is that pressure, and Mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you should, you know, first of all, eliminating struggle and hardship is absolutely impossible, because it's inherently part of the universe, but nor should you want to do that, because that's exactly what propels Humanity uh, to greatness. That is the catalyst of our evolution. It is a gift. It should be embraced. That's why the warrior archetype has gotten so lost in our society, because that's what that is. is—is Becoming a warrior means you're going to rise up and meet that challenge, whatever it is, because you stand in truth.
1: That, that, and that's exactly what I was getting ready to say there is that that really can tie back to what we talk about a lot here is being a spiritual warrior and you know which is honoring sovereignty and boundaries and honoring that other people have their their path um and their own journey in coming to this um so, so honoring that process but um you know that you know I, I like to look at you know take it back to the mythology here you know um you know, and obviously, you know, uh, Odin, you know, in his sacrifice on the Yggdrasil, of silver, when he sacrificed his eye in the well of the mirror, he was seeking wisdom, but he didn't go and ask someone else to do it. You mm-hmm. know, he wasn't like, Hey, you know, Hey, Loki, you know, I, I really want this knowledge. Can you, can you make the sacrifice for me and then just give it to me? No, he's willing to sacrifice it, you know, sacrifice himself, himself. rise, you know, to that, you know, and that's, that's really, you know, um, that path, that mindset that we're trying to advocate because that's a mindset that is empowered. It's like, oh, it's not only not trying to seek suffering but willingly going out and seeking those challenges because you understand that is a catalyst for some of the deepest growth that you can experience. Right. And, and, and to you know try to totally avoid that is like trying to stay a spiritual infant which is ultimately what happens when you're doing and advocating
0: these mindsets. Right, that's how you get a spoiled child. When you give mm-hmm. them everything and they haven't earned it, you're teaching them that, oh, just everything will be handled, handed to you, and it makes them soft, it makes them entitled, whiny, mm-hmm. and essentially, you are disempowering them by doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like the baby chicken, when it's trying to hatch out of the egg. Did you know that if you help a chicken Hatch out of Mm -hmm. its egg, it will die die. because it didn't learn that struggle
1: of of Mm -hmm. breaking free. Mm -hmm. Powerful, yeah, absolutely. So, so honoring that process, and you know, we've talked about you know the hero's journey, you know, a lot in some of our previous work, and it's again that challenge in the hero's journey that allows the hero to transform himself and and to learn the lessons that they need to. Hmm. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, and this ties into the false guarantee of safety as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, I want, you know, the government there to do all the hard stuff, the icky stuff that I don't want to do, but also to protect me because, you know, again, people are so disempowered, they they would be shitting themselves if they ever had to get into some kind of a, you know, a, an actual, like, conflict type of situation. Mm-hmm. But ultimately you can't trust the government to keep you safe. And to, in fact, more often than not, they're doing way more to harm to the public <laughs> at large than your average petty crooks. I mean, me personally, <clears throat> I've been extorted for you know thousands and thousands of dollars, <clears throat> not even counting taxation. Uh, and I've never been robbed at, at gunpoint or had my credit card cards. St- I'm not saying those things don't happen, but uh, statistically, they the common crook doesn't hold a candle up to the organized mafia called government.
1: Right, and I think a good thing to look at here, too, would be, uh, you know, take it, you know, not just with, like, just that burglary and, you know, small things like that, but even maybe more serious crimes, like, you know, people, you know, like, what, well, you know, if there wasn't government there, you know, there'd just be, like, you know, rapists and serial killers running pot. You know, mm. even if you look at some of the, the most famous uh, serial killers out there, The number of their victims doesn't even come anywhere close to the amount of people that are extorted every single day by governments or murdered. You know, you know the mass amount of genocide that's been committed at you know. And democide. Yeah, exactly.
0: And and under democide is is another word most people have never heard before. Mm -hmm. It means death by government. And if you take those numbers compared to anything else, I mean, it's it's everything else is not even a speck on the graph compared
1: to demo site. Right, exactly. So, you know, when you look at, you know, that, yeah, there might be a very small percentage of people that are going out there. But <clears throat> compared, you know, statistically, when you're looking at the numbers, uh, going and advocating for something that's going to create a guaranteed amount of that and just in such an astronomical, uh, a lot larger, more impactful way, you know, that doesn't make any sense, you know, because if you just have the ability for people to, you know, understand sovereignty and to defend themselves, those types of people and individuals are going to be a lot less prevalent, and, you know, and and again, you know, even, we could even maybe even take this further, you know, and this is getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but, Uh, A lot of those personality types that become prevalent in society, you know, a lot of those effects could be because that is a mindset that is bred in society Because that control that domination that kind of psychopathic and predatory mindset is a foundational Building block of our society. It's no wonder that there are a lot of individuals that then take that to an extreme
0: right Yeah and I mean again Safety can never be guaranteed even in prison (laughs) It's the most controlled environment on on earth where there's guards on every corner and Cavity searches and shit They're still constantly having you know violence drug smuggling Uh like name it like you Uh can't stop crime It's going Uh to happen and you can you know good people aren't good because the law says they should be it's because they have a conscience mm-hmm. that's why and people that don't have a conscience they they break the law so the government doesn't stop them from being bad either yes there's mm-hmm. bad people out there very very bad people and either they could care less about the law or they're just going to join the government and do what they want to do legally right. By extorting people or become a cop and go and, you know, body slam people and throw them in cages and stuff and steal their money. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So So we can look at more of these euphemisms, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. taxation and and extortion, you know, arrest and kidnapping, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, basically like perjury would be like standing in your sovereignty and saying Mm – oh, you're not above me, you're not God up there on your little throne with your black robes and shit, you know, mm-hmm. things like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, there's a, there a huge amount of euphemisms, and, and those are really essential to the gaslighting that is done in order for, you know, the minds of right. government to be accepted. And this is something that people uh, want to get a little deeper into. We talked about it a little more in depth in our Thin blue lie episode about police, because these are, you know, obviously, as they're the enforcers and the order followers that actually physically take the in- in actions to enact government, um, these are the tactics that they use, um, and they use euphemisms as a way to gaslight people, um, so they're making a twisted and warped version of reality so people can't see through those lies and actually see what is happening to them and because they're too afraid to even try to question it to to recognize that so then they can stop it from happening to themselves um so and there there's so many different you know um ways you could look at this you know one of the ones we talked about like with the police you know they'll they'll always say they're trying to like you know pull you over for safety you know but then they come and threaten your physical safety or they extort your money or, you know, physically harm you or throw you in a cage, but it's for your safety. Like that's yeah, definitely gaslighting about you. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They, they care about controlling you and that's about it, you know, because um, they're parasites and I mean their, their whole existence is, is based around that. Um, and, you know, we can see here too that so for, for freedom to exist in a society, it has to exist on the level of, First of the individual, and then out and you know in the aggregate into society, because and and all it takes for freedom to exist is for each individual to be able to understand their sovereignty, their boundaries, and then to to honor that with themselves, but to not violate that of others. And it seems so simple, that all you have to do is you know take care of yourself. But it, it really it you know. It, this is a great example of complicated simplicity, you know, (laughs) I guess, you know, which is, you know, a concept that I like to talk about that, you know, everything can be both very complex and very simple. But so, yes, you need to uh, take care of yourself and, you know, make sure that you understand sovereignty and that you are not violating anyone else's rights. Um, But the complexity can come in, you know, and then making that go out to the aggregate. And, and you know, obviously this is where sharing information comes in. Um, but really, just leading by example, I think, is the the best way to spread this kind of awareness. Hire um, people. Yeah, absolutely. Because when people do see, you know, this, there, there's a natural recognition of something there. Like when people, because as we've been talking about, they accept this mindset because they don't believe they have. A lot of times, they don't believe they have another choice. You know, um, but when all of a sudden they see there's another choice and it's a lot more appealing, and it has freedom involved and it can, you know, it's, it's, it's explained to them in a way um, that they can understand it, most people are very open to that. Um, but if you come at it from a very harsh kind of dogmatic point where you're just attacking them or calling them, you know, stupid sheep or, you know, demeaning them, you're going to get, you know, they're going to reject. Because if you understand they're under this mind control that's built on trauma, you don't come at a traumatized individual like that. Because so what you're going to do, you're going to trigger that trauma and then you're going to shut them down. So you have to be able to like recognize where people are at, and then be able to like, you know, using the Socratic method obviously is a great, you know, a great way to do that and allow them. To kind of walk themselves to the right and see what they're actually looking at, which is
0: by asking. But just for those who don't know this, the Socratic method is where you ask them questions about what they believe, and then mm-hmm. follow their own line of logic based on their responses to lead them to the cognitive dissonance in in their own mind, and let them mm-hmm. see it for themselves. And most, you know, right. a lot of time, you know. Th- you can lead them right up to it, and just it's like right there, and they they won't they'll just ignore it, like or they'll just take the you know conversation in a completely different direction and squirm their way around or whatever. But that's on them too, because sovereignty too. They're responsible for their own ignorance ignorance of what is right in front of their face. If that if that's how they want it, then fine. You know you've done your part at least, but you can't force them. You know even even if you're promoting something as morally sound as, uh, the principles of anarchy using a hammer to beat it into them is actually not respecting their boundaries, which is very
1: not anarchistic of you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of that can go back to, you know, unsolicited advice, you yes. know, um, and learning, you know, how and when to present information, you know, um, and, and to go about that, you know, uh, because if someone comes to you from free will looking for information, they're going to be a lot more receptive to it rather than you just kind of come and, you know, projectile vomit on them. Uh, they won't really respond very well to that. Um, exactly. So, you know, and some other, you know, things we want to look at here um, is this kind of phrase or this idea that, you know, if there wasn't government, the criminals would take over. And, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit already here. But, you know, the average criminal, you know, you know, that that's really kind of an odd thing to say when you're actually empowering a bunch of people to essentially become criminals but that are legal, you know, and it, exactly like, and then you end up creating this force that is just so much larger than what you were originally kind of afraid of. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely not a very good uh, way to go about addressing that. and. And really, again, that's coming from a fear-based mindset you know, and coming from people who are disempowered and they feel like they can't defend themselves. They kind of feel weak, so then they're afraid of someone coming and violating their rights. Right. you know.
0: And that's why the entire system is built upon fear. People mm. want to control what they don't understand, what they can't predict. That's another thing. Oh, well, what are we talking about here? Free will. Free will mm. is the random component of the universe. You never know yeah. what it's going to do. They right. don't like that, it scares them, so they're gonna try to control it and, you know, actually limit that, <clears throat> way. right? I mean, and, and, and I, I really wanna get this in here uh, because, you know, it's so important to pe- for people to understand exactly what it is that they are advocating when they talk about government or when they say things like, there ought to be a law, such and such. Um, I, I remember when I was doing my training to be a truck driver the trainer that I was assigned to, I spent three three months in the truck with him, we talked a lot about this stuff, um, he, I don't think he was too receptive to it, but um, we were in a truck stop once, and this guy got out of his truck and he was wearing flip-flops, and he literally said, my trainer said to me, oh, that just pisses me off, that there ought to be a law against that or something, like, that the guy was wearing flip-flops, and um, and uh, I mean, of course, I think there's not many people who would really like go for something that kind of absurd to do, outlaw flip flop. I think he meant like truck drivers wearing flip-flops or something like that. I don't know wh- what was the context. But regardless, what he's saying is when you say there ought to be a law, you're basically saying that I condone violence against you if you don't do the thing or if you do the thing that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So you're literally in, you're you're endorsing violence and you know I'm, it doesn't always start there. It's usually a fine, right, or something like that. But if I just decide I'm going to fine you for wearing the color blue every time you wear the color blue, you owe me money. If I'm not the government, you'd laugh in my face again and just be like, "What the hell are you talking about? You're insane! Like, what kind of person thinks like that? That you're so you think you're God? You can just
1: determine. <laughs> narcissistic, yeah. Dead.
0: Right. So it starts with a fine. Here's another uh, euphemism. Oh, it's not theft. It's a fine. And it starts very nice and formal. And you get a letter in the mail saying, Mm -hmm. please kindly give us this money that we decided you owe us. Um, You know, if you don't, it's okay, but you probably won't like what happens. And so let's follow that line of logic all the way down. So it starts with a nice little fine, not so big of a deal, may not even be that much. Oh, it's, you know, why are you making a big deal? Just pay the you know, 50 bucks or whatever, and then it'll be done with, right? But no, this is a matter of principle. You determine that I owe money, which I do not owe, based on a completely arbitrary dictate that some person I don't even know decided at some point, right? So I don't owe you that money. I don't care if it's $1. I don't owe you that. And if you send people to extort that money or to enforce that law and make sure that I pay it, should I have the moral, not legal, but moral right to defend myself against these people who are now being physically violent towards me because I don't want to give up what is mine, what happens then? You can say, oh, you're making such a big deal out of this. No, but that's what it actually means. If you Uh refuse to pay a fine, you get a warrant. If you have a warrant, people have the legal right or authority to come and try to uh, kidnap you. Well, if some random person tries to come and kidnap me on the street, and I don't even know these people, do I have the right to defend myself with, with force if necessary? Absolutely. Well, what if they're wearing a uniform? Well, now you're going from defending your, one man against another, or however many just human beings, def- you know, somebody defending their own rights... Now we're talking about what happens if you start shooting cops. Oh, well, somehow them wearing uniforms makes it different. No, it does not. That's sovereignty. Everyone's the same. We all have the Nobody's Mm -hmm. up here and down here. So now we're talking about, yes, I have the moral right to kill, if necessary, police officers that are trying to violate my rights because it doesn't matter who they are. They don't have the right to be doing what they are doing. So this is what you're advocating when you say ban flip-flops or whatever. That's how ridiculous it is. You're basically saying that person should be killed because that's what a cop's going to do. If you're resisting with force and, and defending yourself and hitting them and what, what else, they're going to use force up until killing you, until you or until you comply. So that's what mm-hmm. you're actually advocating, and let's not lie to ourselves anymore. You have to mm-hmm. acknowledge that this is what you are advocating if you are in, in favor of government. That's mm-hmm. it. It doesn't matter what the law is. You know, if we're talking about murder laws, well, yeah, that's already morally wrong. So people should have the, the, you know, the, the moral right to use force to defend themselves against somebody who's trying to kill them or come into someone else's defense that somebody's trying mm-hmm. to kill them. But when you're talking about you park too close to the damn curb – and now you think that that person owes somebody money and that they should be beaten and uh, possibly killed or kidnapped if they mm-hmm. don't want to pay it. That is psychopathic. Mm-hmm. That is psychopathic. Mm-hmm. In yeah.
1: and, and another <laughs> another, uh, <laughs> get that out another, there. another really you know, interesting kind of fear-based mindset that the, the belief in government people advocate for is this scarcity mindset you know, a lack of resources, a lack of, you know, how is infrastructure going to be taken care of? Um, and, you know, we've done, a you know, an episode about um, permaculture, you know, in the past that people, you know, can go uh, check out as well. There's a two-part episode on that. Um, but using, you know, like even just a lot of people are so scared that they, they don't even know how to provide for themselves or how they would, you know, build houses or do any of this. And, you know, permaculture is a great uh, uh, field to study to start getting into that, to looking at how, you know, grow food more abundantly and in alignment with, you know, how nature is actually operating to where you're producing abundance instead of scarcity, because scarcity mindset, you know, that is, that is the terrain as we were talking about earlier that is allowing, you know, this kind of predator mindset and this parasitic mindset to kind of take over. Whereas if you can move into a mindset where you're creating abundance, um, that that fear is removed, and if that's the basis or kind of like the foundation that starts the the spoiling of the terrain, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm. You know, once you remove that, then all of a sudden you have a lot more room for you know healthy growth to happen. Um, so looking, you know, and getting into more of an abundant mindset and getting out of the scarcity mindset, I think is a really important part uh, to being able to look for the solutions to get you know to get past the belief in government and why people advocate for government and actually offer solutions that people can see, Oh, there is a better way there. There's another option that we can look at.
0: There's infinite better ways. That's exactly. Exactly. No one has the right to force you that their way is the right way. And this is how we're going to do it or else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think really what this is bringing up for me is, is how important it is to understand that centralization of power is ultimately a recipe for disaster. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with, but uh, for mm. sure dealing with government and think about cities. You're, you're bringing up permaculture. It made me think, of okay, well, why did we start needing more farms? Because we have these large masses of uh, populations crowded into cities, right? There's that stag energy that we talk about in that episode. Right. Festering stagnation, and you know, and then we've got all these industrial farms trying to get food to all mm. these people. And um, where's the highest crime rates by far? Is in these cities. So centralized mm. uh, living places. Call for centralized government authority to police the streets and try to keep it safe because you got all these mm-hmm. people—they're angry, they're living out of uh, out of alignment or in opposition with nature, and of course that makes them violent and cranky. And then, you know, bad things happen, and they call. Well, we need police. We need to, you know, make this mm-hmm. more safe. Really, we need to decentralize everything and spread it out and allow the flow of energy freely. And uh, it's kind of like you know um like looking at the the blockchain you know um if you like a centralized bank that keeps all the ledgers if someone hacks that then that one thing is compromised and it corrupts the entire system but if it's decentralized and no one place has all the the information or all the power or whatever and make it all the spread out that even if one little node gets compromised or corrupted it, it means absolutely fuck all to all the other ones because they're just going to be like, well, and then they can just go and crush that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. So decentralization really is the name of the game and, uh, you know. Diversity, yeah. Moving forward into, you know, tying this back to astrology in the age of Aquarius is really all about voluntary interaction and cooperation, mm-hmm. you know that's what we're yeah. moving towards. And so the people that are clinging to government are actually clinging to an old, you know, outdated and obsolete more and more by the day, um, <clears throat> you know, state of mind and, and, you know, operating system,
1: essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a very, very excellent point to bring up with that. Um So now we kind of want to, like, move into, um you know, looking at this through, you know, some of <clears throat> looking at the hermetic principles here. So, obviously, we've mentioned, you know, the, the principle of mentalism and, you know, both how these uh, relate to anarchy as well as uh, government. <clears throat> that with government, they're coming from this false, disempowered state of mind and then so as, you know, they feel violated and then has an overcompensation for that because they're coming from a place of fear, they then advocate for trying to control everything to make them feel right. safe, you right. know. Um, whereas with anarchy, if you're coming from the empowered state of mind, you're understanding that you are a sovereign being, that you have boundaries and rights, and that you don't want yours violated, but you're also not going to violate and infringe that of others. Mm-hmm. You know, that state, that's a, totally different state of mind, and then those two, you know, depending on where you're operating from, that's then going to affect the actions that you take and then the effect that you have in the world, um, and that's also very similar to, you know, the law correspondence, you know, right. whatever, where you have internally going on, you know, in our state of mind, we're then going to be projecting out into the world.
0: Right, yeah and and we can also tie this into the trivium as well because mm-hmm. it's no accident that government means mind control and that it is mind control because the people who designed it and are continuing to keep that as the primary you know physical institution of control is they understand this very very well and the the uh, trivium is a perfect depiction of this principle of mentalism and correspondence in action where everything starts in that, f- that first block, imagine like a pyramid where the very base layer is knowledge, right? Mm. And then, uh, which is just the information, and then taking that into the self, the consciousness, integrating that, informing understanding, so that you, you have attained the knowledge, but you also understand it, and you're, you're, you, you've integrated it, and then finally, mm. Taking action in alignment with that knowledge, which is going to manifest in reality. This is what we, you know, what I mentioned at the very beginning of this talk of of like your choices dictating what experience we are having here. They understand this dynamic of re, um, you know reality manifestation very very well. Just you know, incredibly deeply, they understand this. That's why they have built the structure on top of it and actually created basically a proxy pseudo artificial version of natural law where they're mm-hmm. controlling the mind at the information level with the media and the, uh, you know, school indoctrination camps. They're controlling the mind from, you know, the information level and then keep, keep keeping you in that state so that everything everything they're doing. I mean, the government doesn't actually even have to do that much because we're now our own jail keepers you know mm-hmm. it's the, the the few that act out they they try to make an example of them and everybody goes oh yeah yeah you know nasty lawbreaker <laughs> criminal scum mm-hmm. and we're over here i'm a lot people say it so proudly well i'm a tax-paying law-abiding citizen as if that's something to be valued or out of or right all that means is you're a good little slave and you do what you're told that i don't mm-hmm. respect at all and um yeah, so, yeah, just tying that back to the trivium and the law of correspondence of, of what begins in the mind then, because corresponds into reality through the choices, such as voting, continuing to advocate this slavery system, you, you know, you, you're over here saying you want freedom, but then in action, you're actually supporting slavery with your voting and your thin blue line and all this crap. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, yeah, that's definitely excellent points, and and the next uh, law that we look at, obviously, here is <clears throat> the law of vibration. And, you know, I think there's a, a, some fun wordplay that we can look at here to um, understand this, and that's looking at the word universe itself. And there's a couple ways we can mm. bring this down. Uh, we can look at it as uni-verse, so the one verse or the one song. Um, and looking, you know, again, that can tie back into the principle mentalism that this is all part of the mind of the all this is you know everything is vibrating all everything is part of this song but then you could break it down further and take the union it looks at you and i so the universe is made of you and i and then the song the vibration singing together we're putting out there and creating is then you know co-creating the reality that choir is experiencing it it, very exactly uh exactly and then what do you get harmony
0: when your voice and my my voice go together to create a beautiful song what do that they call Mm -hmm. that harmony we all want to live in peace and harmony right harmonizing with each other based on we are all vibrating from that higher frequency of love and sovereignty and self-respect mutual um
1: you know, self-respect, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I do think it's very interesting with the, this kind of a uh, uh, metaphor here. That um, in some of Tolkien's work, in, in his uh, book *The Silmarillion*, and you look at the creation myth of uh, his pantheon of gods, that and how um, you know Middle Earth and uh, that realm came into being. Uh, very, I mean, really exactly on that. Um, it's a very, very interesting story. So maybe sometime we'll. We'll do an episode about that, or that'll probably be something that I'm mm. you not know, love that. Midgard as well, you know, because it, it's a very interesting uh, mythology to get into and, and very much can tie in with the principle of vibration.
0: Right. Well, and, and uh, n- in no way to endorse, um, you know, the, the Abrahamic religions or anything, but again, simply because I was raised uh, Christian and I'm familiar with that, even in the Bible, what does it say? That God spoke... he brought everything into creation through voice and what is voice, but just sound and vibration. So everything, you know, and, and that's in that way. That's how we're like little miniature, little G gods in our creative ability, because we can also, we have a mind from which we can create such as the universe. And we have a voice that we can create with as well. I mean, even in Skyrim, they talk about the voice of the dragonborn and what is your special abilities called? Shouts. You use your voice Mm -hmm. to command the elements and Mm -hmm. things like that. So and then hell, even in like fantasy and in like Harry Potter and stuff, how do you cast spells? Spelling, you speak it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. abracadabra. I create what I speak is literally what that translates in Mm -hmm. Hebrew. Right. (laughs) Uh,
1: And then um, the next one. You know, the next law is obviously the law of polarity and understanding that everything has poles, you know, that there is a, a positive and negative aspect to um, everything, and there's going to be, you know, different extremes of this. Um, and there was a, a little uh, little quote here that you kind of wanted to share in context of this here, Logan. Uh, would you like to do that?
0: Yeah, it just, when we were talking about this earlier today, it reminded me of something that I posted like a couple of uh, months ago um, anything less than freedom is just different degrees of slavery and when you read the kabbalion and go into depth on these hermetic principles you know that's what essentially this uh polarity principle means is kind of like the other um uh, platitude brian that you've uh, come up with about everything is the same just in a different way is mm. that's what it's, it's lending itself to this it, it's it's just varying you know it varies only by degrees you know hot and cold Mm -hmm. aren't really a thing you know um so much as they're just different degrees of temperature in other words
1: Mm -hmm. right right exactly um you know so we, we can look at you know uh this this is an aspect that's played on here and especially with like uh government you know people become obviously very polarized. There's, you know, the left and the right. Um, you know, there's the people that go for fascism or communism, but really what they all are, just slavery to different degrees. So we can right. see that, you know, that principle tying in uh, with that. Well, different um, forms of slavery, you could say. Right, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah.
0: it's like all, everyone's arguing about what's the right kind of slavery, and then we're the anarchists over here just going, why slavery, though? And everyone's just like, bah! like, you know, like that's the game that we're that we're in, essentially, is they're 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 arguing over what what kind of slavery is the best. And then we're just saying, how about no slavery? That's mm-hmm. crazy.
1: And uh, yeah, the um, the next thing that we can look at here um, is the, you know, the principle rhythm you know, and this is referring to, you know, that there's always this pendulum swing, this rhythm in nature that... Something white people don't have. Right. (laughs) There's there's (laughs) always uh, these cycles. Um, And, you know, I I think a very interesting thing to kind of maybe look at here is, you know, you were talking about how government has kind of set up itself as a a proxy for cosmic law, proxy for nature. Um, and, Mm. And we can see things like the seasons and and the cycles. And you had, you know, mentioned earlier when we were doing a kind of little pre-chat how that can kind of relate to, you know, the political determinants and things. And that's kind of, you know, there's the political seasons that are kind of the proxy for the natural seasons. And, you know, it's kind of like this false version of this um, pendulum swing and these cycles that are going on.
0: Um, Think about how many people out here. That know, know like so much about all these different the, the primaries are coming up and this and that but I bet you they couldn't tell you one single thing from the farmer's almanac <laughs> right
1: right yeah like <laughs> yeah. zero knowledge uh, of actual nature <laughs> cycles mm-hmm, yeah so this this proxy is something here you know and then obviously looking at you know uh cause and effect that's something that we've been you know talking about throughout this whole talk that obviously you know every time you put an action out there, there's going to be an mm-hmm. effect, a reaction from that. So, you know, if your actions are in alignment with cosmic law, you're going to have a result of freedom of anarchy. But if they're out of alignment with cosmic law, you're going to end up with skewed versions of reality where you have things like government, slavery, um, and things like that that are manifesting in society. And you have, you know, scarcity, um, and all these other things that we say that we don't want as human beings, but yet we're creating because of the actions that we take. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget inaction
0: is an action. So simply by doing nothing or saying not my problem or, oh, I just need to keep, you know, do my job, Mm. kids and whatever, I mean, that's fine and well and all, but simply by not doing anything, even speaking out is something more, Right. taking a, take a form of action but just complete um apathy is, mm. is continuing to perpetuate the reality which we already have
1: right you know what that really brings up for me and what we've talked about before here is the unholy trinity you know mm. uh you know ignorance apathy and you know uh cowardice you know mm-hmm. um when that that's definitely that that is the the place and the the foundational terrain where this mindset comes from, you know, right? Don't know, um, don't care, don't mm-hmm. know. And then uh, you know, looking at you know the principle of gender. This is something that you know we talk about a lot. You know, um, you know the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. You know, and that that balance between the logic and the intellectual brain and the creative and the you know the more feminine uh, flowing and open inside of the brain. Um, right. and you know, these are two, uh, two things that they definitely play off each other to create a polarity within the individual, you know, so tying these, you know, you can see how these, these principles all tie together. These are all, you know, this is cosmic law, but these are all in effect all the time and they are all interacting. So. You know, understand them individually, but then also make sure you can understand to see how they're relating to each other and supporting each other. Um, mm-hmm. um, but definitely that that balance between you know left and right, you can see that very much play out in the physical manifestation of you know you see these this this polarity between people of you know they're either a Democrat or Republican or they're you know a communist or a fascist or you know whatever the right. fuck it is.
0: Right. And oftentimes, long polarity is very much correlate to the masculine and feminine uh, ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. So, co- communism and capitalism, for example. Communism is that feminine, everybody's cared for, everybody get along and cooperate in your collective, versus capitalism is very, very, almost to a fault, individualistic. And, you know, just like, right. may the best man win. It's almost like when, you know, in the elementary school where, like, some kids just really awesome and he takes all like the first place rhythm or ribbons and all the other parents are mad and they they want participation rhythms ribbons for for their kids so that everybody feels like you know they got a little pat good job and you know everybody feels included and everything like you see Mm -hmm. this all play playing out on the political landscape about like tolerance and inclusion and all this kind of stuff and you know, hyper imbalanced feelings versus what does the conservatives always say, fuck your feelings. That's such a toxic um, masculine, you know, version of it, like zero, right. like totally depressing and everything.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're both unbalanced, wounded states of being, you know, they're, they're coming imbalanced. from a place of being polarized into one or the other, rather than having the balance of both, you know, like as I was talking right. earlier, you know, one of the things I was, you know, you can see even in the observation of, you know, the physical body, you know, because, you know, with the law of correspondence, we can, you know, you can analyze things from the realm of spirit, the realm of mind into the physical, but you can also kind of do it in the reverse. So when we can look at our body, we can see that the right brain controls the left side of the body and the left brain controls the right side of the body. There has to be this cross between the two, you know, in order for you to actually properly function because one without the other is just going to result in an imbalance and, and a polarity where you're, you're going to be coming from a place that you're not on a strong foundation. And then you're, the processing and then, therefore, the actions you take after that are going to create uh, situations that you don't really want to experience.
0: Right. And I, I definitely want to just briefly touch on this taking it back to because so much of this stuff starts in school in the way that we're taught and, and indoctrinated from a very early age. Our um, education system is so strong emphasis on the right brain modalities of reading, writing, arithmetic, and such a… You mean left brain. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> left, brain, left brain only. And such a very limited, if not non-existent, emphasis on right brain things like dancing, art, and music, for example. Um, mm-hmm. What this does is it, it's putting your brain into the computer side of the brain. And what is the computer it's programmable you can just install the 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 software and then it does what it's supposed to do and so you're indoctrinating the state is indoctrinating people through the education system to lo and behold persist and and uh you know perpetuate that state system Mm -hmm. of control
1: this is bringing up for me is earlier you know we talked about how free will it's that random component of the universe but we can really see that kind of as very much we can tie that in with that feminine energy i think
0: it's the feminine absolutely
1: yeah, exactly because that's that that free flow you know sometimes it's sometimes that unpredictability that you know it's as running energy. on programs what it's pro it's predictable you predictable. know what it's gonna do yeah mm-hmm. right so that you know again we can see that's why obviously you know the feminine is such a you know uh, a diet you know um a uh, energy that is very much try to you know be suppressed and because the more they can suppress one that that they know that throws both of them out of balance both within the individual mm. but then obviously that echoes into society as well
0: Ooh, and you know this this might be a little bit fringy and a little out there but um i, I really think there's something to so, <laughs> I, I always think about this, you know, from the perspective of just very basic um, masculine and feminine uh, from a geometric, you know, approach. The masculine is linear, right? So it's the straight mm-hmm. line. Even our bodies, like the hip hip ratio, mm-hmm. hip waist ratio, is straight up and down. Where women are curved. Um, mm-hmm. I've always kind of felt drawn to this idea about the the shape of hair or like the texture, you know, where it's mm-hmm. very straight and easy to style you know control easy to control the straight hair that's the masculine and what do we call hair that's frizzy and crazy it's unruly right it's Mm -hmm. hard to rule and that's the feminine it's the frizzy unpredictable feminine uh component as well and i'll even go as far as to say you can look at um how like uh dark-skinned people and they have very frizzy hair well Dark-skinned people have been very systematically oppressed, and they very much embody that water energy, that feminine, emotional, Mm. musical. Mm -hmm. There's something too. There's a correlation there. There
1: has. Yeah, that's a very interesting thing to uh, look at, and (laughs) there for sure, Um, because there, you know, there's definitely some uh, teachings out there that you know uh, very much relate the uh, the African people with the water element, which is right. eminence that you know very very interesting point to kind of consider that mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about before. Um, now the last principle that we want to look at here and this is obviously you know one uh, you know that Mark is uh, Mark Passio's you know what he calls the lost principle of care um, and this is uh, something you know that is so important and that a lot of times when we, we see people who are advocating for governments because they're coming from a place of that they just feel so lost that they just don't care or they're too scared to care. Right. You know, cause then they are, there's that fear that they, you know, that might then give them responsibility and then they might mess up and they might get ridiculed or rejected or, you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. this is. And, and, and they're afraid of that happening because, you know, they've been traumatized as a child and they're used to that happening. So then they, they don't want that to happen. So then they're going around trying to please everybody, you know, it, it very much sets up for this uh, this state of a person coming into apathy and just losing that care and losing that willpower and you know so this is you know something that developing that care and tapping into that heart based intelligence which was you know um, if uh, anyone hasn't checked it out yet our interview with Mark Passio that we did that you know called Heart of the Matter that was the whole the whole. Um, you know thing it was based on this topic is yeah exactly was heart-based intelligence and getting into you know just out of the getting you know not shutting off the the left brain or the intellectual understanding but realizing that's all that's just one path to it but a really powerful path is getting into the heart-based intelligence and awakening that care within ourselves to where not only do we care about ourselves and respect ourselves but that we care about respect you know, the sovereignty and the rights of other beings. And then when we care enough to not violate those, that's when we really can start to, you know, act in alignment with cosmic law and then create Absolutely. that free world that we're really seeking after. Right.
0: Because again, um, taking it back to that whole, what are you advocating? You know, it's like, um, say some some new law passed and it's it's just totally arbitrary you know like some kind of curfew or something and it's like um you know what do you think should happen to me if i was to break that law um you know uh, most people are going to try to say well you'd get arrested or you'd no i'm not asking what would happen to me i'm asking what you condone what you advocate they should do to me if i break Mm -hmm. this law and, if, and they're, they're basically, that question is so powerful because they're put in a really um, uncomfortable dilemma of either they have to acknowledge that they are psychopathic and they're supporting the initiation of violence to somebody who's literally not doing causing any harm to anyone, mm-hmm. or they have to admit to themselves that, hmm, maybe my own conscience comes above, above the government and I have no moral obligation to follow any laws that I don't see fit to. Mm-hmm. That's a really right. difficult place for some people to be put in, but it's so, I mean, that is the crossroads right there. If you bring them right, right up to that point, you know, that's the, the moment of truth right there, essentially. <clears throat> so yeah, you have yeah. to, and their brain is going to start going crazy like, oh, this way and that way, or, you know, some, some way they can squirm out of it, but that's why this is the answer right here. This already mm-hmm. knows, and your brain is going, um um um, but your heart is like, You're right, bro. He's so right. Mm.
1: And, you know, leading into this here, you know, uh, for me, uh, I think another interesting thing to look at here that we can kind of delve into is kind of a last big subject on this is uh, the animist, pagan, polytheistic Mm. mindset and and how that really comes in alignment with anarchy and with cosmic law. Um, And again, you know, um, we can look at, you know, Taking it back to the the mythology we talked about Odin earlier and how he wasn't, you know, he was willing to sacrifice uh, himself in order to gain the wisdom that he was seeking after. Um, That warrior mindset of being so sovereign and empowered in yourself that you don't expect, you know, you're not codependent on anybody else to do it. You don't need a savior you are willing to act on your own to go after what you need and you're not trying to save other people you don't have a savior you don't need a savior and you're not trying to be anyone else's savior so and that's obviously, obviously something we see in the whole abrahamic tradition especially christianity is that savior projection very off, fundamental theme and that's hmm. something we'll delve into in future episodes deeper um but that that's a very anti sovereignty mindset if you really look at it, you know, that you have to have some being or something outside of yourself in order to save you. Whereas the animistic and the pagan mindset is, is very much a warrior mindset where it, it's coming back to your own individual choices and actions. You're not looking for a savior. You're willing to take action on whatever you need to to, to achieve what you want and you're not and you're also not forcing like your ways on anyone else. You know, there's a lot right. more tolerance and understanding when you look at in like a, a polytheistic or a uh, animistic, you know, shamanic uh, belief system. You won't find them caring really what God, you know, someone specifically works with or what tradition it is, you know, because that it's coming from the understanding there's universal truth in spiritual sciences that can be discovered and mm. as long as you have a path that's leading to that source it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know if it's working for you it works for you where as you know you take some of the you know like the more abrahamic religions they're a lot more dogmatic is you know it's very literal and it has to be taken this way and ver- very much uh not very compatible with sovereignty and anarchy when we look at that, and and this is something that again we have a very you know in depth uh, you know project that we're going to be planning and we're going to be looking at these dynamics much much deeper, sure. but it, just for people to kind of start to think about it and you know digest it a little bit and start to question themselves, you know, looking at that, and like I said, I know for myself um, my understanding of sovereignty and boundaries grew so much deeper as I found my ancestral path and, you know, started stepping into the animistic and, you know, the polytheistic mindset. Um, it, it definitely is a lot more conductive, you know, in my opinion, of of being able to come to these understandings.
0: Absolutely. And um, something that kind of um, occurred to me as well when you were talking about this, when we're looking at this dynamic of the spiritual warrior and how... This has actually kind of been um, perverted and twisted and corrupted into this kind of modern-day New Age version of it. Um, maybe not New Age, but I mean just like modern-day in that, in that way, um, where money is the new religion. And, you know, everyone is all really identified with being a hustler and, like, you know, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. You know how we, we've talked a, a couple of times about how money is, acts as a proxy for true currency, the emotional <clears throat> care. That's why it's green, the color of the heart chakra, dictates what you care about. And then um, this, this tagline popped into my head when you were just talking about get rich or die trying that's like the modern day spiritual warrior, but toxic version of it where really what they should care about is truth. And so get truth or die trying is the actual true spiritual warrior mantra. But nowadays it's just all about monetary gains and, and material wealth and things like that. Mm -hmm. Just that's kind of really interesting thing to uh, kind of consider there. So Mm -hmm. any thoughts
1: on that? Um, yeah no I mean that, that's definitely uh, uh, an interesting way to, to look at it for sure um, because the, it's the, like they've like,
0: kind the of murder. hijacked that and try to put it into a you know a, a disempowered mm-hmm. format
1: right very, very much so like we talked about in our episode about police you know when we speak about order followers they take this mindset of you know wanting to be exactly. a warrior you know and then they, they twist it and turn it and use it for, for another purpose so that, that's another interesting way in which that can play out absolutely Mm -hmm. um but yeah I I think this is kind of uh you know getting to a good place to maybe wrap this episode up here um Mm -hmm. you have any other kind of last minute thoughts or
0: no I I'm I'm good with it man I think we we pretty much covered all the the main stuff for the most part um Mm -hmm. you know I want to take this time to remind everybody we are always um um offering consultations uh, Brian does Vedic astrology we both offer um nine world rune readings and then we can offer um the personal coaching you know of uh, spirituality ca- uh, career choices just whatever you're feeling like um a little bit misguided or or just kind of um you know n- not solid in your direction or whatever um you know we we offer this you know voluntarily if you find value if you if you value um, our perspectives on life because we are coming from a, a, a place of um, understanding natural law and the way the universe operates so we may you know we're we're offering to tell you what you need to hear maybe not what you want to hear but ultimately at the end of the day that's what's going to really be beneficial to you uh, more than anything else you know not more than that comforting lie or whatever so um, uh, let's uh, Let's see here. Um, Uh, We we have the initiation package. is a free video series that we put together for you um, free of charge. All you have to do is click that link in the description and check that out. Um, It's a really good little 30-minute segment giving you some free energy practice to really get you started and uh, really stepping into actually taking action because we're very – uh, action oriented here at the wizard factory so this is something that's going to actually give you something to do that you know you can you know you can trust that it's it's going to uh, be effective like right off the bat um, mm. and um, if that uh, yeah I think that's going to do it um, that's going to bring this episode to a close tonight so if you enjoyed the content if you liked what you hear please don't be shy take that one and a half seconds to click the like button click subscribe Get the notifications every week so we got new episodes coming out every single week we're covering all different Mm -hmm. kinds of topics we've got awesome guests on the show Mm -hmm. um and it trust me when i say it's only going to get better from here we have such big things planned uh for this project in general the wizard factory so i mean you guys Mm -hmm. haven't seen nothing yet i'll just say that much so um uh, thank you so much for watching it's been a pleasure and as always Be empowered, inspired, and
1: encouraged.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wizard Factory Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.